Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people. So this week we are continuing our hate watch celebration of Hallmark with a, a second Hallmark film. This one is quaintly titled Christmas Festival of Ice. But first, we are going to take a journey through Canadian real estate television with a new show I just found on Netflix called By Herself. B-U-Y, herself. <laughs> Kirstie, will you be talking about this show by yourself? <laughs> well, I won't be alone, but I will be by myself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So, <laughs> I watched nine episodes of this today. To be clear, this is Thanksgiving, and this is how Kirstie spent her Thanksgiving, <laughs> and it wasn't wrong. No. I spent my Thanksgiving with my mom, sitting on our couch, watching by herself, and knitting, and yelling about the patriarchy. You lived your best Thanksgiving <laughs> life. That is my truest form. I think it may be. <laughs> At one point, I did definitely text your mom and say I was just. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, she didn't tell me that. Mm-hmm. I'm so offended. <laughs> uh, so that was my journey with this show. Mm-hmm. Tell me about yours. <laughs> I just made a mistake. <laughs> oh boy. I had more time to eat Triscuits. <laughs> In which this episode is actually about Kelsey not being able to eat Triscuits. <laughs> oh my god, I'm putting this, these away. I mean, I can I can talk longer if you and your Triscuit need a minute. <laughs> this is why I told you to eat the damn Triscuit before <laughs> before we did our sound check. But no, listen. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I've learned my lesson. <laughs> you just so, gotta get me I'm... on a tear, and then you can eat all the Triscuits you want. No, I know. I just. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I made a mistake. So good. (laughs) So good. So you wanted me to talk about my experience with by herself? Tell tell me what it was like to buy yourself. No. No. That didn't work. (laughs) Um it was fascinating. I watched episodes one and four because you told me I had to watch episode four and it was not wrong. Episode four is book wild. Mm-hmm. It was truly fascinating. It felt familiar in, like, the format sense, but also a little cottage lifey. Uh-huh. So it was 
just dancing right between HGTV and Cottage Life, which is my true aesthetic, I think. <laughs> well, it's HGTV Canada, right? Well, right. So that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. So it's literally that strange middle ground <laughs> between HGTV and Cottage Life. Before we get into it, I do want to take a quick second to have beef with Netflix. Ooh, okay. Because Netflix, what the fuck did you do, volume 7,000? <laughs> you are dropping so much good content, and like, I appreciate that you're getting more hate watches, like, by herself, but at what cost, Netflix? Literally at what cost? You're paying like $10 an episode for these? <laughs> It can't be worth more than that. Like, I'm getting concerned with Netflix choice-making, Netflix's choice-making, lately, and I don't know that this is the right direction for them. It's the right direction for Hate Watch, but maybe not for business. Yeah, it really doesn't seem like the most sustainable plan. Right, like, they keep buying up shoddy content, like... Yeah, I don't think Cottage Life is a suitable replacement for Always Sunny. Let's not use Always Sunny here. I, but I'm not saying, like, I, I've never watched it, to be clear. Fair, I'm fair, just saying fair. there is a fan base. Right. Like, you get people to watch your shit when you've got shows that people like watching. The reason why Netflix has been sustainable is because people watch the same sustainable content that they have over and over and over and over again. Yep. And it's considered a hub of, like, programming. So I feel like they're trying to just get everyone to watch their original programming, but that's never gonna happen. No. Not if it keeps being so bad. Ugh. And then they take away Friday Night Lights? Like, what the fuck? Netflix? Yeah. Netflix, what have you done? What have you done? I'm quite certain that the HGTV stuff like performs well for them i mean who knows because they're so shady about their whatever their ratings but how many people out there do you think are like that adventurous about like their random home shows if it's not if it's not airing on cable you know like with cable it's different because you sort of go past hgtv and you'll sit through whatever the fuck is on Regardless right. of what it is, because it sort of, like, gets thrown at you and you don't have to make an active decision. But on Netflix, you have to, like, make an active decision. You don't get the content otherwise. And who out there among us is, like, scrolling through Netflix and is like, oh, Reno my Reno sounds intriguing. <laughs> Bro right. Huh. I wonder what that's about. No one. Like, I already have cable and watch HGTV. I don't need Netflix to be an HGTV replacement. And I realize that there are a significant number of people who do need Netflix to be their replacement. But, like, the point of cutting cable typically is to get rid of some of the shoddy content. Yeah. And access the good content, right? Right. That was why I got rid of my subscription, because everything I wanted to watch, which was mostly things that I liked rewatching were on Netflix. And so I didn't have to have 500 channels airing just like random ass content that the network was sort of making on the fly just so that they could kill hours of the day. Right. In the past like couple of weeks has been the first time that I've ever considered Netflix to maybe not be the leader in streaming anymore. Agreed. Because I'm like, wait, they don't have the content that I want? 
I wonder, like, who they lost in their executive team that, like, they have lost the incredible ability to negotiate distribution contracts. Yeah. I mean... what do you think is happening? I was blaming NBC for a time, but I don't Mm -hmm. know that it's only NBC anymore because, like, they lost How I Met Your Mother from CBS, so what is that? Like, thank God I got in one more rewatch of the Robin Sparkles episode. Yeah, no kidding. (sighs) I mean... Probably can't go without saying that Hulu is a conglomerate of ABC, NBC, and Uh CBS. So, like, you know, why bother negotiating distribution contracts with Netflix if you have your own, like, streaming platform via this conglomeration? But if that's the case, why does Hulu not have Friday Night Lights? Well, because no one wants you to be happy. No one wants me to be happy. (laughs) You don't get to have Friday Night Lights. Like, I've considered asking my parents to buy me the DVD box set of Friday Night Lights for Christmas this year, mm-hmm. like it's 2008, because <laughs> I don't know how else to access this content. Well, honestly, no content is safe or sacred. No. Like, as long as there is a way to re-up the contracts on different platforms to, like, find new ways to monetize the shit... It, nothing is going to be safe. You're never going to get content in one place forever. Right. You might as well just fucking buy DVDs and lock yourself up in a bunker and wait for the media apocalypse because <laughs> net neutrality just happened. So. I mean, when Netflix gets rid of Parks and Rec, we will have a full hate watch episode where we just play Bye Bye Little Sebastian. Mm-hmm. When Netflix over gets over rid of Parks over. and Rec, I will get rid of Netflix. Yes, that's... A pact I'm willing to stand You heard by. it here, folks. Because honestly, what's left for me at that point? You know what I watch on Netflix these days? What? I watch Parks and Rec, and I watch Anastasia, and that's all I use Netflix for. <laughs> there are better uses of my $11 a month, probably. Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time on Hulu and Amazon, and it's weird, and I don't like it. I Like, Mm -hmm. I have some brand loyalty to Netflix for some reason, but... Me too. I don't know what to do with it, because they're making me so upset. It's tough out there. It's a tough world for streaming. And for single women in Toronto. And for single women. And for (laughs) first-time homebuyers, especially when they're single women. (laughs) I'm just so proud of myself for that transition. That was a good one. (laughs) Well played. Thanks. (laughs) and you did it by yourself i did it by myself (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's get into it yeah do you want to run down the premise of the format yes so how the show works in general is there's a real estate agent named sandra rinomato who you might remember from property virgins from the Mm mid-2000s which was also a first-time homebuyer show and I actually have a long history with her because I, my mom and I would, like, watch new episodes of Property Virgins when it aired. That is, like, an alarming statement to me. I There are so few shows over the course of my life that I would watch live, and that was one of them. That was your must-see TV. <laughs> it's wild. It was a fun show. We really liked Sandra. So, so the premise is that there are single women out there. And they want to buy houses. In Toronto. Only in Toronto. In Toronto. But the barriers for home buying, especially first-time home buying, 
for single women are unique. And so Santorina Mano takes these single women under her wing and helps them to buy houses. So it's basic house hunters format. They look at three houses and then they have to pick one. And you start by going to the woman's house and doing a walkthrough of her current rental. And they build the wish list and then you get the budget. And then they start going to the three houses. Also, every woman is asked to bring two friends to the party. And the two friends are her support system. Mm-hmm. Is a line that gets used often. And they're there to weigh in on her lifestyle and her decision making. Yeah. Now, the two friends are almost always either a sister named Karen or a gay husband named something generic like Glenn. <laughs> almost always. <laughs> there were two Karens and a Kieran. Wow. So I'm just saying it holds. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, oftentimes, the sister named Karen is a dick. Yeah. There are so many asshole friends on this show. What's roughly the age range for the women? Because I only watched two episodes. Um, I would say early 30s to mid 40s Okay, so far. There have been a couple of divorcees. Mm-hmm. One of them was probably in her mid 30s. The other one was in her mid 40s. Yeah. Um, and then there have been a couple of women who are like... Probably at the youngest, like, 28, um, but have been doing the, like, living at my sister's house during my transition phase kind of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, There's always a big battle over whether they want a house or a condo. And in almost all of the ones I've seen so far, they've ended up in condos because they're single women. Right. Let's not be crazy. Let's not be crazy. There's almost always a conversation like that in a condo where the woman wants two bathrooms or something and everyone's like, but it's only you. (laughs) You're the only one who lives here. Right. You don't need all this stuff. There also seem to be a lot of commentary about, like, the proximity to attractive men. Yep. Yep. Which was neat. Um, There was one episode, it was either the first or second episode, it doesn't matter, where the um, woman was looking at houses both downtown and in the suburbs, and she, like, grew up in the suburbs, so she was kind of thinking about getting a house. And her friend, her lifestyle friend, kept being like, there's just not as much opportunity for your lifestyle, and it was so clear that she really just meant Tinder. Yeah. (laughs) there's so much of that shit in the first one that i watched she was like living in a building that was a lot of older people Uh uh-huh and her lifestyle person she looked at one that was like very family oriented and she's like there's just gonna be so many middle-aged people this woman was 38 (laughs) it's like well (laughs) she's like she's going from an older building to a middle-aged building (laughs) (laughs) oh Mm-hmm. It always starts um, with, like, the little intro of Sandra Mano under an animation of a house wearing a pink leopard print dress. There's so much pink. So much pink. Saying she won't be alone, but she... 
She won't be doing it alone, but she will be doing it by herself. Herself. That's what it is. Don't worry, I wrote it down. (laughs) Yeah. And then the last line of the episode is always like, you know, whatever the closing line is of that woman's particular story. Like, she got everything she wanted and she did it by herself. Oh, my God. They also have a weird, like, God complex with Sandra. Yes. And she's, like, part therapist, part realtor, and she yep. eats the shit up. Oh, so much. It. She's, like, the fairy godmother in all these stories. There's one episode, I think it's episode five, Um, the woman is talking about how she was inspired to buy a house because she heard Sandra on the radio promoting the show and felt like it was the answer to her prayers. Oh. Because she had been trying to decide if if she was ready to move out of her parents' house and just, like, wasn't sure if she could do it until she heard Sandra on the radio promoting the show. And so then she applied and got accepted and felt like she was being called to buy a house. And then she repeated this at the end after her offer was accepted she, like, cried on Sandra's sh- shoulder. Oh, no. About how Sandra made this all possible and none of it would have happened without her. There was a moment in episode four, and we'll get to that story in detail, but yeah. there was a point halfway through the house hunt where she just goes, it's time for girl talk. And she yes. takes them to a coffee shop so that this woman can cry on television. In some ways, I appreciated that, though, because there's always a moment where they have a high-intensity conversation in a bar or a cafe, and it's clear that they're going for girl talk. Like, it's clear that's the dynamic they're trying to build. So it's like, thank you for just saying it out loud. <laughs> do you wish your realtor had taken you for girl talk? I do not. <laughs> I'm very comfortable with the amount of girl talk that we had. <laughs> <laughs> As a peek into the backstory of Kirstie's life, she's in the process of buying a home. Yeah. And I will say, so this is my first house buying show since I bought my house. And I do watch it differently now that I am a humble homeowner. (laughs) Do you? I do. It felt a little different this time around. Do you think it would have been different if you were buying your house by yourself? (laughs) Well, as a woman. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) I I did say to my mom at one point that, so there's a lot of stuff, especially for the divorced women, about how um, homeownership is really scary because there's so much to do. And there's so much that you're responsible for. And the idea of doing it alone without someone there to help you is really scary. And then there's all this other stuff for all of the women about how um, budget is important because it's only one person. Like somehow budgets only matter if you only have one income. Right. And I said to my mom at one point, like, this low-key, like, makes me self-conscious about being married. Like, apparently there's no way for me to be an independent, self-sufficient woman because my husband must care for the house. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, how will I hang pictures on the wall? <laughs> I don't own a single pink tape measure. Oh my god, that killed me. <laughs> Yes, there is literally a bit with a pink tape measure. 
there is. Can yeah. we just dive into what the fuck happened in episode four? Yeah, let's get there. Let's do this. You want to give the synopsis? The synopsis is this woman who's like 45, maybe? Yeah, I would say. She's a divorcee. It seems like a recent-ish divorcee. She has two kids, and she's not over it. Nope. She keeps, Super not. She doesn't really say that they got divorced. She just says they broke up. <laughs> which just felt like a little middle school to me. Yeah, that's not how marriage works. Yeah, she's like, yeah, we broke up. And she <laughs> is really, like, hung up on her old life and her old house. And she likes her rental because there's elements of her old house in it. And she has this, like, furniture that doesn't really fit. But she's just, like, determined to hang <laughs> on to it. And... She has, like, an old kitchen island. Right. And she casually has a $750,000 budget. But it's really important to stay on budget when you're alone. Like, what kind (laughs) of money are you getting in child support? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they keep saying that her mortgage is going to be, like, $1,000 a month. That was what was blowing my mind, is her mortgage payment was coming out to less than mine. Right. And let me just be clear that I did not buy a $750,000 house. <laughs> like, girl got a down payment. Like, girl has got a down fucking payment. It's, like, fascinating. Yeah, it must have been one hell of a settlement. Like, someone put her lawyer on retainer for me. Right. I also described her personality as middle-aged Barbie bot. Yeah. Like, she's pretty robotic, but also... I think that was all the collagen, though. Yeah, there was a, just a lot happening. She was kind of a mess. <laughs> and she didn't like any houses. <laughs> no. Well, because none of them were fancy enough. Yeah. So, I, whatever the fuck kind of money this couple was making when they had both income, they alluded at one point to the fact that she owned a house that was over a million dollars. Well, of course she does. Like, she has half the money and she has $750,000 to play with. So, like, God only knows what kind of McMansion hell fear landscape she was living in, but then trying to move into a $750,000 condo was, like, her fear landscape because none of it was fancy enough. In fairness, they were not that impressive for the budget. It's Toronto, though. Like, what do you want? Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. They all had rental units. That is, like, a common thing in this show. Sandra is always trying to find rental income for these women. And, like, as a woman, I don't know that I feel comfortable also (laughs) being a landlord. Well, was that in the first episode? No, second episode. Ah, damn it. That's such a good one. So in the second episode... The woman is trying to start a career as a real estate agent, and I don't know what her deal is, but she only had a budget for a house of, like, 160000 which in Toronto is, like, fucking peanuts. Right. And she wanted to have a rental property in it so that it didn't matter how faulty her business plan was, basically. Right. And at one point, Sandra's like, so, do you think you can handle being a first-time home buyer and a landlord all by yourself? <laughs> it was so... Like, I don't know. Can I, Sandra? <laughs> can I, Sandra? Like, Sandra, <laughs> are you telling me no? Because you are my fairy godmother. Oh, my God. 
At the end of episode four, she just decided she wasn't ready to buy a house. Which was, I don't, I don't want to try to comment because it sounded like it was an emotional decision and not a logistical decision. Mm -hmm. But on paper, it seems as though there should have been no barriers. Right. To making this purchase. But as Sandra said, she can't afford any more regrets. Oh my god, that... <laughs> Sandra is a little cold-hearted. I love Sandra because she is an absolute ball buster. Yeah. But that line killed me. She's doing her, like, talking head about the fact that this woman has decided not to buy it. And she's, like, blah, blah, blahing. And she walks out of her real estate office and she's like, but Sandy can't afford any more regrets. <laughs> Oh, fuck. I know. <laughs> I do like some of her weird, um, like, voiceovers that she does where it's yeah. like, finally a positive comment. <laughs> She's so sassy. There's one, episode three, where she, like, reads the woman the fucking riot act because she can't decide on a budget and at one point in her rage she's like if you're coming up fifty dollars short every single month that is not acceptable and i was like oh sandra i'm sorry sandra i know this little program called wineab (laughs) hey sandra we can hook your clients up My other favorite thing in episode four, though, is that that's the first episode, I think, where Sandra reveals that she is also a divorcee. Yeah. And they, like, bond over how hard divorce is, and she she's, like, so relatable because, like, she had a really hard time, and she had to buy a condo after her divorce, and, like, life is hard. But she's like, you just gotta get your shit together. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> But then it becomes, like, a recurring theme, so she talks about her divorce again later, and then there's another episode down the line where um, where the Karen sister is being a total jerk to the woman who's buying, and Sandra's like, so why does your sister think you can't handle this? And the, the woman's like, oh, because I'm the baby of the family, and so they don't think I can do anything. And Sandra's like, oh, I'm also the baby of the family, and I remember when I bought my first house... Oh, boy. Like, hashtag relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I haven't decided if I like Sandra or hate Sandra. I go back and forth. I just don't know. Because she's kind of into, like, all of this problematic, faux empowerment, weird spinster shit that's happening in this show. (laughs) Right. Like, the show is this weird parallel universe where, like, women can't do anything but also have to because they're lonely maids. Mm Mm-hmm. And the only way they'll ever find love is if they buy a house. Right. But then she's also a total badass ball buster who's like, you need to get your shit together. You need to figure out what you want. And, like, you need to stop whining. Right. I think it was episode four where one of her rages was literally, like, stop whining. Yeah. I did like the part in episode four where the lady who was shopping for the house was, like, in one of them, and she was like, I just can't stop laughing at their furniture. It's so bad. (laughs) It's like, yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> hate watch this house, please. Hate watch this house. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, like I think I'd watch more. I I think I kind of tapped out around like episode six or so, which was more a reflection of the fact that I I binge watched nine from the time I sat down on the couch to the time I got up to start making dinner. Yeah, like I think I would watch so, it in the, in a social context of like you were there. Yeah, <laughs> it's I mean it's absolutely a member of Little Higgy's Knitting Corner. Yeah, um, I busted out a solid fifteen inches of my blanket. That's a lot. Yeah, I know. I'm really proud of myself. That's amazing. Good job. And I did it by myself. Ah! <laughs> it's just the most fucking condescending thing. Right. <laughs> I ha- I just um I think it's in the first episode. Um, they're in the second condo, and the woman is complaining about the kitchen and how she would want to renovate it. And Sandra goes, well, you don't want to take on renovations as a first-time home buyer, and especially, like, because you're alone. I can't remember how she yes. exactly she said it, but she was like, but especially because it's just you. She's like, you don't want to do that. It, but, like, why? You don't need a second person. to you, You're hiring a contractor. <laughs> right. Is is a 38-year-old woman not capable of hiring a contractor? Well, and it's a condo reno. Like, how hard is that? It's not. But also, neither of those things preclude you from doing anything ever, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. But especially from renovating. Yeah. Like, th- I just, I, it renders me speechless because it's dumb on so many levels. Yeah, there's a lot working. <laughs> so much at play here. So much. I tell you what, I'm a first-time home buyer. You better believe there's a whole bunch of shit I'm changing about my house. Yeah? Are you going to change it by yourself? Yes. And I don't as I said before, <laughs> I don't even own a single pink tape measure. So I don't know how I'm going to get it done. But I will get it done by myself. I feel like on principle you should do a little reno project by yourself and just send Sandra some, like, aggressive <laughs> some social media posts. <laughs> just hop on the Twitter machine. Yeah. Be like, look at me doing this by myself. <laughs> just, like, every day send a different picture, <laughs> renovation or yeah. not renovation related. Like, drinking coffee, hashtag by myself. <laughs> I want to see what happens if I'm just trying to think of the right crossover with Reno my Reno. <laughs> We're like the dud men mm-hmm. who can't hold a staple <laughs> gun have to meet the women. <laughs> I've got it. You set it up like The Bachelor. Yeah. So it's like a dating show and like, the men have to go through Reno My Reno, the women have to go through by herself, and then they come out the other end, and the men have to go <laughs> renovate the women's yes! house in a series of construction challenges, and then there's, like, tape measure ceremonies instead of rose ceremonies. I love this. And you have to narrow the dating field, and then you propose oh in your newly renovated house. Oh my god! <laughs> 
I'm pick like picturing the playful banter as they do the demo day. <laughs> All we have to do is put uh, what's his face, Sandra Rudimano and Chris Harrison in contact. Oh yes, Dino Can you Miller, imagine? where are you at? <laughs> I would watch that. I would too. You know what I wouldn't watch again? What? Are we ready for this? Yeah. Um, Christmas Festival of Ice. Oh God, Christmas Festival of Ice. Oh. So that just happened. Um, before we get into it, can we take a second to appreciate that the name of this movie is Christmas Festival of Ice? Like, have you ever heard a final film title that sounds more like its working title? <laughs> no. Even if they had just gone with, like, Christmas Ice Festival, it would have been less egregious. Right. Christmas Festival of Ice. I also want to take a second to continue our tradition of giving a giant fuck you to <laughs> the people of YouTube. Oh my god, citizens of YouTube. What the fuck are you doing? Why? Just why? This film has been out for like two weeks. Now I just feel like you're trolling me. There are... At least a hundred uploads labeled mm -hmm. Hallmark 2017 Movie Christmas Festival of Ice. There are movies that are also Hallmark movies, but maybe 20 years old. Yes. Well, and so at, at the beginning of the season, I thought maybe they were just titling them that to, like, placehold it somehow. And then the real upload would come once the thing aired. That is not the case. And I don't get what you're playing at. Because none of them have pre-roll. Right. So I don't understand, like, what you're getting from the clicks. Do you think there's, like, hidden propaganda messaging, like, halfway through those movies? Oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there has been all that shit coming out about YouTube kids and all the fucked up content there. Maybe this is part of that machine. It's just so wild and also so frustrating when you're just trying to watch Christmas Festival of Ice. All I'm trying to do is watch Christmas Festival of Ice. I mean, Hallmark, you only spent like 10 bucks on it, so Lord knows that you've already gotten your return on investment. Hallmark won't even put them on, on demand. Like, I don't get it. I, yeah. Like, I have the Hallmark channel and I can't find a way to watch it. <laughs> I don't know what to do with the idea of you, like, watching live premieres on Hallmark Channel. I don't either. I won't do it. <laughs> it's a great mental image. You scrolling through the TV guide, looking for times on the Hallmark Channel. Oh, uh, I feel like I'm going to have to do it for the rest because this was such a struggle. Like, this was we a struggle. screen shared a, a Skype conversation in yes. which we found a way to find this movie. Yes. We had the movie playing on a laptop. I Skyped her in, she did screen mirroring, and we watched it together on my laptop. But it was so hard. It was, it literally took like three hours to get a setup. It did. 
which is probably the hardest that anyone has ever worked for a Hallmark movie, including the cast and crew of Christmas Festival of Ice. <laughs> I bet our stream connection went through the capital of New Hampshire. <laughs> We have to drive to the capital. <laughs> Where the is capital? that? Concord? <laughs> Concord? <laughs> Concord. Concord. Like the fucking plane. They literally spent more time talking about Concord than anyone I have ever met. And they spent so much time pronouncing it wrong. Yes. So the one piece of authenticity this movie gave us is in one of the opening scenes. They show lady protagonist like running across the street wearing like Merrells and then they show her in her office wearing like high heels so they obviously understand that New Englanders always bring a change of shoes in the winter and yet they didn't bother to go see how to say Concord or to ask any New Hampshire New Hampshire New Hampshire (laughs) what their capital is because I don't think they know they don't they would never refer to it as the capital no. Okay. Also, I don't know where Westford, New Hampshire is supposed to be, but <laughs> anything in New Hampshire. <laughs> anything in New Hampshire is only like two hours away from anything else in New Hampshire. Right. So, like, I live in bumfuck Vermont, and I'm only like a two hour drive away from any given part of New Hampshire. Right. So. Them running around in a flurry around their law office being like, we have to drive to the Capitol in two days. <laughs> like, where the fuck is the Capitol? What bum-ass roads are you trying to drive? <laughs> like, do you not have winter tires? <laughs> like, what's happening? Oh, I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I'm so happy for it. <laughs> Who needs premise? It's just homework. <laughs> the whole premise is that these Fuckers live in New Hampshire and can't even do it right. They're so busy living free that they can't even do it right. Right. Not a single time did any person in this film say live free or die. No one had, like, bald eagle tattoos. No one rode a motorcycle without a helmet. No one set off fireworks. Everybody wore their seatbelts. Yeah, it was just... There were no road sodas. Like, these people... We're not from New Hampshire. Not a single one of them. They all wore safety glasses while they made ice sculptures. (laughs) (laughs) That would never happen. That would never happen! There was an NPR story um, about the the fact that the seatbelt usage rate in New Hampshire is as horrible as it is. And there were no less than three people quoted as saying, live free or die. We should have the choice about our seatbelts because live free or die. Right. Like, no one was drinking discount wine. It's not a stereotype. It's just what it's like over there. It is. Like, when we go to New Hampshire, we embrace it. Yeah. We have one weekend a year that's dedicated to living the way New Hampshireans do. Yeah. New Hampshireites. One of those. Hobbits of the Shire. <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> like we were in New Hampshire last weekend. We went to Chick Fil A. Yep. We shopped at outlet stores. We went to LL Bean. We did. That's not really New Hampshire. I don't want to give LL Bean that kind of rap. Well, they're from New Maine. England staple. It's different. Yeah, but like as if 
bitches in New Hampshire ain't swinging by the L.L. Bean outlet on their way to the Christmas tree shop. No, you're right. Just saying. They are next to each other. (laughs) Very conveniently. Right. And across the way from what, like Big Fatty's Barbecue or some shit? Yeah, and Bugaboo Creek. (laughs) Nashua is a truly charming place. Oh my god. I can't believe we spent so much time there. (laughs) We spent so much time in Nashua now. It's just convenient. It's our our new home. It's our third office. Uh, my favorite um, thing about watching this with you via Skype was you had to leave your sound on <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise I couldn't hear. And at actually literally 30 seconds in, I heard your husband go, well, I've seen about enough of this movie. <laughs> some shit so when he taps out that fast it's like not great he literally watches youtube videos of people recapping youtube video cuts of penn and teller so if he can't put up with a hallmark movie you know you're in trouble (laughs) yeah no kidding (laughs) uh would you like to tell us more about christmas festival of ice i can try (laughs) So, as we already mentioned, this supposedly takes place in New Hampshire, but it doesn't actually. Absolutely not. It's about some chick. I don't remember her name. I think it was Emma. I think you might be right. So, our friend Emma, she lives in this little town in New Hampshire that she grew up in, and she just took the bar, and she's waiting for her results. (laughs) And... It's about time for the Christmas festival that also has an ice element, typically. (laughs) Except this year, it doesn't have an ice element. And she's all distraught about this because it's part of her childhood, and she's very attached to it, and she always did it with her dad or whatever. By ice element, she specifically means <laughs> oh yeah, ice that sculpting. there's an ice sculpting competition right. that she and her father entered every year. Right. And they were going to keep the festival but cancel the competition. Right. Even though the whole thing was somehow centered around the so competition. It was just going to be the Christmas festival instead of the Christmas festival of ice. Yes. But lucky for her, she starts to go fund me to raise the money. <laughs> Jump fund. Jump funder. For the ice portion. So that happens. She has like two weeks to raise $15,000 in this like bumfuck town. Right. In the meantime, she's working for her mom's like law firm Mm -hmm. and is phoning it in hardcore (laughs) because she's just not passionate about what she just spent a gazillion dollars on. And she meets this dude, bro, who owns a Christmas tree farm and has a mystery brother who makes ice sculptures, but it's it's not like a Moe's situation. It's like he ends up not <laughs> existing. And she and him get into kind of a thing 
and then they enter the sculpture competition, and then she learns that she passed the bar, because of course she did, but (laughs) once again, Hallmark pushes forth the narrative that Offit's life is below women, (laughs) and they should really pursue the arts, like ice sculpting. Yep. And that's kind of what happens. So she decides she wants to pursue her dream of sculpting ice and presumably dating this Christmas tree farmer. And I really just am left wondering what they do for money in the summer in New Hampshire. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And then you find, so there's like this anonymous donor who like fills the $10,000 gap in her fundraising. Yeah. And you find out at the end that it was her mother, even though for reasons unknown, she was keeping the fundraising for the ice sculpting competition a secret from her mother, which, like, I don't know how her mom wouldn't notice. The town has 30 people in it. And so her mom was, like, desperate for her to be a lawyer, but had a suspicion that she didn't want to be. So at the last minute, she donated $10,000 for the ice sculpting competition that she didn't know about. That her daughter was keeping secret from her so that her daughter would have the option to chase her dreams if she didn't want to be a lawyer. Right. Like you do. So similar to expressing yourself through gingerbread, the line (laughs) in this one was, Ice sculpting has always been a part of who I am, and now I need it to help decide who I want to be. Thank you so much for writing that down, because I did as well. (laughs) I'm so glad. To which her Christmas tree farming husband responded, I like who you are. Let's talk about him. <laughs> Let's get into this. Let's get into it. God, he's the fucking worst. <laughs> he's just a giant nothing. He's such a nothing. Like, he was a big old drip. Yeah. I described <laughs> him like a twerk. <laughs> Not that any of you know who that is. <laughs> any of you who've watched Flipper Flop, you know the former husband from that show? Tarek, He's- but he can't pronounce his name that way all the time. <laughs> so we call him Twerk. <laughs> so we call him Twerk. <laughs> yes. It's sort of like this awkward combination of like bot like, but also kind of dudish somehow. And also interested in high-end finishes. He, This guy, let me tell you, was all about the high-end finishes, as long as those finishes were made of ice. <laughs> <laughs> they have this long, drawn-out thing about how he doesn't believe in using power tool- tools to sculpt his ice. <laughs> it's like, I do all my sculptures by hand. My favorite part of his backstory was that he was hung up on his ex-girlfriend, who was also a competitive ice sculptor. Yep. They met on the circuit. (laughs) The ice sculpting circuit. But, like, I... uh, (laughs) I have so many questions. And then they dated for three years, and she broke up with him on... Was it on Christmas? Yeah, and it's because she wanted to do bigger sculptures and he didn't want to. He only wanted to do little sculptures and she wanted to do big sculptures. So that meant they couldn't date. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But don't worry, because he found a new sculptor who would do big sculptures with him. Sculptors. 
concerts. Well, that too. <laughs> Maybe. If the situation arises. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. So then they win the sculpting competition and she gets offered a job in municipal government, which she accepts. Right. Because she liked making people happy with ice. Because she ran a GoFundMe for an <laughs> ice sculpture competition. <laughs> so now she's going to go work in municipal government. Oh my god. Like, I hate GoFundMe for a lot of reasons. Yeah. That I don't need to get into. <laughs> Kelsey has tremendous beef with GoFundMe, and you would be shocked how often this comes up in casual conversations. So often! But like... There's a difference between using GoFundMe because there's a legitimate cause and using GoFundMe because you want people to donate to your ice sculpting competition. <laughs> like, it's, if you I can't don't... afford it and none of your friends can afford it, then, like, it's not going to happen and it's okay. You don't need to solicit randos to donate. I have a thousand questions, too, about the logistics of this festival. So the whole festival <laughs> is supposed to be predicated on the ice sculpting, but then they couldn't afford the ice sculpting because the municipality lost its budget or some shit. It's all being planned by one town council member, which, like, I'm certainly no expert on every town council, but from all the town councils I've ever known, they're not the event planner of the town. Right. Like, they but usually have an agenda, but... Yeah, they're usually, like, passing policy, and then, like, the rec department does the Christmas festival. But, <laughs> so, they lost their budget for it, but they were still going to have the festival, but if your whole festival is the ice, then what's your festival? And then there's the actual competition, and... She, in the opening scene, she's very upset that they haven't started setting up for the competition yet. And so she's explaining to her friend, who apparently also grew up in the town, but knows nothing about it, including <laughs> why they have to walk very far to go to the best coffee shop. Right. So she's explaining to her everything that needs to be done for the festival. And she says they have to get teams. And then the teams have to do a thing. And then they have to ship in ice. But then that seems to be it. So I'm not clear why it costs $20,000. Yeah, me either. And I'm not clear what there is to plan. Other right. than the ice shipments, I guess. I don't know. And I'm not clear what else is part of the Christmas festival. Like, if they weren't going to have the ice, did, were they just going to put trees? Also, no put one, lights on trees? No one told us what the prize was. Oh, that's true. Oh, this movie. The prize was love. Mm, they really definitely wanted this to be like a Gilmore Girls, Stars Hollow mm -hmm. town, including the aggressive like use of coffee. Yeah. That was just so sad. Yeah. <laughs> and like the town send you know, it was supposed to be like when they have all their little town events and it's like a whole thing and it yep. brings the town together, except it was Hallmark Channel. Yeah, they really didn't achieve it. No. When the <laughs> festival happened and the mom went, that was when she had a Christmas boner. <laughs> and she was like, wow, this is amazing. And it was literally like trailers that had Christmas lights in them. Which yeah. is the only thing that they got right about New Hampshire. <laughs> True that. I cannot figure out what was supposed to be at the Christmas festival because they go to it twice and they walk under the archway 
And it looks like the exact same set as the, like, vendor area for the Christmas tree farmer. And so all you can see is, like, an archway and some lights and a bunch of Christmas trees with lights on them and some trailers. And then they all stand on the same mark and never actually enter the festival. Right. They just stay on their marks under the archway. And that's where all the conversations at the Christmas festival happen. Right. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit more about Christmas boners? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so they started when the lady protag was sniffing trees, meeting men, <laughs> as I wrote. <laughs> well played. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Christmas Boner was just when, we're going to use this through all of the Hallmark movies, I think. It's the new dick joke. Yeah, it's just when anyone is just so overwhelmed by Christmas and the <laughs> holiday spirit that... It's just takes over the entire scene and they're just like so excited and it changes the whole narrative because they love Christmas so much. That is the Christmas boner. That is the Christmas boner. My favorite part of the first Christmas boner where she just walks into the Christmas tree selling area and just starts smelling trees mm-hmm. is he comes over because he was picking up a tree for a family and he goes to pick up this tree and then realizes that she's smelling it. And she turns and looks at him and, like, kind of giggles awkwardly and goes, there's something about these trees, that Christmas smell, I can't resist. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> it's like, does that somehow make it better that you're sniffing a stranger's tree? No. <laughs> Ugh. I also noticed that they definitely use, like, stock music for all of these. Yes. Yeah, they're either, like, paying a service or they have an app with preloaded music. Right. They're not paying for original scores by any means. At one point in this film, they were playing, like, dark, suspenseful music that should have been overlaid of a scene of, like, a woman walking alone in a forest clutching an axe. Yeah. But it was just, like, her and her mom having a tense conversation in a museum. Would you say that it could also be used for a woman shopping for her own house (laughs) alone? I was having the thought as we were talking about by herself that at some point after Christmas, Hallmark should absolutely make a spinoff movie of by herself. Oh, I bet you they have. We just have to there find probably it. Is. Hallmark is a wealth of content for you to watch. <laughs> we still haven't watched the Airbnb one. No, and we haven't watched the other Vermont one either. Well, it's on the list. No, there's another one. Uh, there's a third one? Of course there is. My God, speaking of boners, like, could you maybe step off Vermont a little? (laughs) I just want to say, if they're going to (laughs) keep abusing the New England area (laughs) as their setting, they might as well at least put an office over here and, like, get some jobs happening. No kidding. Instead of just saying, Concord! There's no way that they're actually filming in New England states, though. Like, they've got to be filming in Canada. No, they film in Canada. They have to. I was going to say, like, Vermont and New Hampshire, at least, do not have good enough tax incentives for that much filming to be happening here. It did look almost passively like New Hampshire. Parts of it. Parts of it, except the whatever, like, civil engineering code is happening is clearly not American because there was a hanging stop sign. Yes, yes. There was a stop sign hanging in the air from a, <laughs> like, pole. Right. It was on, like, a bendy arm into the street. It's like, what the fuck nonsense is that? Right. 
Trust me, I know a thing about stop signs right now. They're very <laughs> contentious in my town. We have temporary stop signs in a few new locations, and they are not hanging. <laughs> they are not hanging, nor is it going well. Nope. I did have questions, though, about, like, the casting in that sense, because there were a couple things that were said that made me think, like, is your operating system broken, or are you just, like, so Canadian that you <laughs> forgot how to speak English? Oh, So, one of the lines, um, Lady Protag is in her mom's office doing paralegal stuff, and she's on the phone trying to get a piece of paper, and she says, um, it's right here in office. <laughs> Like, no one says that. <laughs> oh, no. Right here in office. Oh, no. And then at the end of that phone call, she goes to hang up and she goes, bye, you two. <laughs> what is that? Not like, bye, you two. You know, not like she said bye and they said, have a good day. And she said, you too. She yeah. goes, bye, you two. And like, hangs up. Like, she's pulling the phone away from her face as she's going, bye, you two. Oh. Like... These are not words. If any network would invest in, like, life-size type actors, <laughs> like the Disney Channel original movie, uh, Hallmark would be right up. I know. That. If they could, if someone could create animatronic actors, like, that's really what Hallmark Channel is looking for. I'm shocked they don't do more, like, CGI movies, but maybe they're still too expensive. Probably. They'll get there. They'll just, like, use The Sims and be like, go over here. <laughs> be like, go to this creepy. Christmas tree. Smell. <laughs> <laughs> See them clicking the actions. I'd be here for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, one note that I had about her workplace is, so her mom has her own law firm. And is it, it that is, it was aggressively decorated for Christmas? Go on. It was. Like, she had a, a green sparkly Christmas gift on her desk. Uh-huh. Anyway. And three sparkly little Christmas trees. Oh. Um, it was aggressive. And they also say Merry Christmas as many fucking times as possible. Like, I think there were occasions, which this is true in Sweetest Christmas as well, where they only had interactions with people in order to say Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's a side effect of the Christmas boner. Yeah. No if kidding. it lasts more than four hours, call a medical professional. <laughs> <laughs> All of the Merry Christmases are just Christmas Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> but so her mom has her own law firm, and it is stated multiple times that the plan from the time that she was a small child was that she would grow up and go to law school and then become a partner, and then she and her mom would run this very powerful law firm in their hometown together. Yeah. Which, like, talk about operating on layers. Like, that is some kind of something. Right. But her mom, like, catches her phoning it in uh, because at this point she's trying to set up the fundraiser but hasn't told her mom about it. And her mom gives her this, like, really intense speech about how, um, I don't know, how she, like, needs to pay attention to her career. And I got to thinking, would the worst part of working with your mom be the constant platitudes about your competence or all of the passive-aggressive scoldings? Because often they were hand-in-hand. Hand. Mm. Yeah, that's tricky. You know? Well, the worst part about that situation was that, like, her mom paid good money to get a new sign. 
mm-hmm. for their office and give it as a gift for Christmas. And she was like, yeah, about that. I don't know if I want to practice the law anymore. Well, say what you will about the good money she put into that sign. Yeah, right. What about all that good, good money that she presumably put into their law school? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but law school takes a lot of time and effort and money. Mm-hmm. To get to the point where you've already taken the bar. If you don't know at that point that you think you want to be a lawyer, like, what the fuck? Yeah, I could see someone deciding before they get to the bar, and I could see someone deciding after, like, a year or two or five of practice that they don't want to be a lawyer. I just don't understand how you take the bar and pass on your first try and then say, nah, I'm good. Right. I got all all of this that I needed. Like, good job spending all that money on nothing. Yeah. And, you know, chase your bliss. Like, do what you gotta do. No one's saying you have to be a lawyer. It's just like, why was this the moment? And, like, choose a more profitable career than ice sculpting. Yeah, you had a really good line about hobbies. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Actually, the mom did, too. The mom and I were kind of, like, hand in hand with this. They were totally vibing. Yeah. So, Hallmark doesn't get it. Neither did this chick. (laughs) The mom got it. There's a difference between a career and a hobby, and you can have both. You can have both. I have a job, and then I go home and knit, and I podcast. And I don't Mm -hmm. really make money off of knitting and podcasting, but it's just fun to do. Right. And I know the difference because I'm not going to go to work tomorrow and be like, I quit because I'm going to pursue my knitting career (laughs) and I'm going to open my Etsy shop. Like, if you're a really good proficient knitter and that's like what you want to do, great, but I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this isn't about like yucking anyone's yum. It's just like the practicality of the matter, which is like most people are not going to waltz into the world tomorrow and be profitable ice sculptors. Right, and I would argue that most people who have an Etsy shop for their knitting also probably have a side gig that pays the bills. Yeah, absolutely. Most people who have an Etsy of any kind have a side gig. Right, that's the beauty of Etsy. It's just like, I don't know what they want from me. Like, this is where I feel like we circle back to the conversation we had last time about the message of Hallmark. Where it's like, is this just supposed to be some kind of blanket platitude about, like, finding your dreams and chasing your bliss? And so it's not really about whether or not she becomes a full-time ice sculptor, because clearly she's going to go work in municipal government. But it's more about finding out who you truly are. Or, like, do they just want us all to stop being capital C, capital W career women and become ice sculptors and cupcake bakers instead? See, that's what I'm suspicious about. Right. I mean, ultimately, neither one feels authentic. Right. But she did it by herself. (laughs) No, she had a man. It's true. She had Christmas tree man to kind of help her when he wasn't being a blank stare of a human. There was so much weird back and forth. It was so uncomfortable. It was like this weird on again, off again thing, and they decided it would be really charming if he was like kind of awkward. Mm. This one was like a little more risque than the last one, too. Yeah. Which, like, I'm interested in Hallmark, not safe for work, but I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. 
Like, I feel like you never get a real payoff with a Hallmark movie, if you get what I'm saying. No. No. We're never going to get there. Lacey won't allow it. Lacey will not have it. Lacey, Queen of Hallmark. First of her name. (laughs) Mother of gingerbread. (laughs) So, the payoff that you got with this movie... Is that at the end of the ice sculpting competition, Emma and the guy are officially dating, which happened in the 36 hours of the competition. And right before the winner is announced, she's all like huddled up into him in like a big chest hug. And she looks up at him sweetly and she says, I just want you to know you made my Christmas wishes come true. And he looks down at her sweetly and he says, Emma... You are my Christmas wish. No, he had a Christmas boner. <laughs> and then they kiss <laughs> to conceal his Christmas boner. Right. <laughs> it was a far more satisfying ending than the end of A Sweetest Christmas. So I have a question. Sure. At this point, do you feel like you've seen one, you've seen them all, or is there still more that Hallmark has to offer us? The formula is established, but there's enough playroom within the formula (laughs) that I'm still intrigued. Like, this one had me furiously taking notes for the first few minutes of it. Yeah, me too. The opening was buck wild. Yeah. And then it lagged. Yeah. And then, was it when she creeps into his, like, wood shop thinking it's his brother and then discovers that it's him? Yeah. Um, who's the ice sculptor that we caught our second wind? Yeah. There was like one specific moment where we were both like, and we're back. Yep. Yep. Shit got weird again. <laughs> oh, here it is. She So she goes into his like woodworking shop to try to convince his brother to donate an ice sculpture for reasons. And she finds out it's him and she's all mad at him for lying. And he goes, I'm sorry I told you about my fictitious brother, but it's a reflex. It's what I tell everyone. (laughs) Sure. Two other lines that were just fantastic from him. (laughs) She finally pries it out of him why he was being weird about ice sculpting and why he wasn't just like telling people that he's a sculptor. He goes, I started doing this when I was young and it was like, uh, I could do it. (laughs) That's what all the great artists of our time say. (laughs) And then later, he's either talking to Emma or to his friend. It's unclear. He's talking to someone. And they're getting into it over his breakup with the previous ice sculptor. And he says, I just want to feel the way it used to feel before things got all jumbled up. Oh, no. Different kind of boner. Different kind. (laughs) Different boner. Oh, yeah, what's what's left in this Hallmark adventure for you at this point? I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we've got some good stuff ahead of us. Yes. We've got another Vermont that I'm looking forward to. Yep. I don't know what else is in this list. We've but... got a parent trap. Oh, no. yeah, the parent trap I'm really excited about. At some point, we have to watch the Mariah Carey one. That's not a Christmas one, though. I thought it was. Oh, I didn't read the article. (laughs) Girl, it was critical information. Yeah, I read the link preview. (laughs) Isn't that enough? You might be right. It might not actually be a Christmas movie. 
It was just Hallmark and Mariah Carey and Lacey, so I just assumed. Right. <laughs> they are timeless, Kirstie. <laughs> they are timeless. <laughs> Nothing fucks you harder than Hallmark. Right. Uh, so it's gonna be good. I mean, I- I'm... Like, I keep waiting for them to be better, because I've sat through a lot of crappy rom-coms in my life, and I'm like, yeah. well, sometimes they end up being okay. And then Hallmark nope. lies to me just constantly. It's um, I actually don't blame Hallmark for that one. This sounds like a you problem. No, I know what I'm getting into, but like <laughs> you always hold out hope that maybe you're going to get surprised. I don't know. No. I don't know. That is the falsest hope. Listen, <laughs> I'm trying to find something to hang on to. <laughs> like, I keep thinking that these... Like, one of these are maybe like, maybe going to end up being something that I am invested in for yep. a second, but they're not. But Never. when they get me is when they do things halfway through the movie, like saying, we're going to the Capitol. <laughs> and I love it so much that it's worth watching the whole movie because it's so wrong. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> they have little nuggets. Right. My other favorite nugget is that one of their clients, the client that they open the scene with in the law office, is named Miss Kincaid. Ugh, of course. Super casual Christmas knowledge name drop. Super casual. The most cash. But I think part of our Hate Watch platform is being aware of representations of New England. Yeah. In pop culture, and I think that this is an important task to take on. Well... I think about it a lot because I think about, like, the true spirit of hate watch, right? Like, why are we watching what we choose to watch every week? Mm-hmm. And I feel like where Hallmark comes into play is there. everyone has, like, content that they end up watching that they can't explain if the TV is on. Sure. And this is that content. <laughs> so, like, what the fuck is happening to you as you're watching this? Right. You know, it's like a science experiment. Like, what are we missing when we're not actively watching this because it's just, like, fucking on? Right. But also, why do we sit through it? <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. Well, we have four more weeks to find out. If YouTube can get their shit together. <laughs> hey, YouTube, if you're out there, do us a solid and put up one real version of these movies. Just, Just one. one. We'll find Just it. one. And we'll watch it, and we'll talk about you, and you'll get all of our clicks. I literally started, like, 50 of these movies. <laughs> Me too. I'd be like, damn it, it's Miracle of Christmas again! Well, and I never know who the cast is, so I never even know what I'm looking at. Right. And all of the, like, establishing shots might as well be the same. Yeah, I did actually have a note that I said, <laughs> I said, this was the ultimate struggle, but in fairness, this intro was the same as all the other fake news <laughs> ones. <laughs> I know. You have to get, because there's also like a critical window in the first three minutes when the title card is going to pop up. Right. So it's not like you can skip ahead to find out, like you got to get through that critical window. <laughs> it's you so frustrating. You got to get to the title card. Like, what are you getting from me, internet? I just want to know. It's an incredible parade of fonts, though. It is. When you have to watch that many credits. <laughs> uh, so many different scripts. I know. Oh, Hallmark. So, 
Oh, should we tell them what the next ones we're watching are so that they can watch them with us? Yeah! Where's our spreadsheet? I already have it open. Oh, you're so ahead of me. I know, I'm really good. So, for the December 5th episode, we are watching The Mistletoe Inn. Mm-hmm. For the December 12th episode, we're watching Switched for Christmas. Yes! <laughs> for December 19th, we're watching Christmas in Evergreen. Yep. And for Christmas Day, we're watching Finding Santa. That's right. So if you would like to be able to join in the Hate Watch and be ahead of the game when those episodes air, feel free to join us. Um, Use a hashtag or some shit like Hate Watch Hallmark. I don't know. Yeah, I like it. That was on the fly. Um, So Hate Watch Hallmark. And if you have other thoughts or feelings about Hallmark movies or buying things yourself as a woman where can they find us kelsey who is also a woman uh all of the women can find us <laughs> and the men i guess <laughs> at hate watch with us on twitter or at hate watch with us at gmail.com or on thoughtbubbleaudio.com with our thought bubble friends they're at thought bubble fm on twitter as well They are not women. They are not women. So they do not do things by themselves. (laughs) But it's okay because we're here to help them. You're right. By ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sorry, Thought Bubble, you just got rubbed. And if you would like to do things by yourself, you can join us next time. Thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) That was more for you than the listeners. (laughs) Bye. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm not going to eat a Triscuit at this moment. (laughs) Do you want to eat it before I hit start? No, it's going to take too long. They're so large. (laughs) Just take a bite of the Triscuit. Don't eat the Triscuit. Damn it. (laughs) Why won't you just eat your damn cracker? I don't want to. My bliss is not with a cracker at this moment. All right, fine. God. (laughs) Have it your way. I will. (laughs) All right, I'm hitting start. Okay.